Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 63 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. And if you want to keep up with RV Miles, we are all over social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, and YouTube. We can now officially say we are on YouTube. Jason has been putting up some RV Miles videos lately, doing some campground tours, I think. Well, reviews, I did, really. I did, uh, I did one campground review that's up. I've got two more coming out. And I did, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, uh, about fitting a large RV into a smaller campsite. So I did a video sort of walking around at Bluebell Campground at Custer State Park, where we just were, our 35-foot site and how we fit our 37-foot motorhome plus our 17-foot minivan with room to spare into a 35-foot site. The listings on the web are not always all they're cracked up to be. <laughs> no, they're so, really not. Uh, that's a, that's a great video. I hope you'll check it out. It is available on YouTube or on Facebook. If you go to our Facebook page, uh, you can find it right there. Yeah, we'll have a few more of those coming up here in the next few weeks as well. But in the meantime, if you want to keep up with Jason and I as we travel around with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, we are over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, where another... YouTube video dropped today as well. Amazingly enough, we finally did it. We did. We're going to really get back into doing this video. Thing. <laughs> we promise. People have been really asking for it. So we have a video up of our experience at the Buffalo Roundup that we talked about on last week's episode of this show. Really fantastic experience. And if you're planning on going next year, I think we've got some good tips on how to deal with it. Yeah. Jason got just some wild hair last night and did a bunch of videos all at once. And he came to bed at like 2.45 in the morning and was like, I, I made videos. <laughs> I was like, don't talk to me, I'm sleeping. <laughs> but then when I got up this morning about 6.30, I came out here and I watched the Buffalo Roundup one and I, I got feels. It was, I was very pleased with it and you did a very nice job. So well, thank, thank you, you for staying up till almost three o'clock in the morning to show videos Listen, of Buffalo. We're not going to be one of those people that complain <laughs> about how much work it is to edit videos every week. No, because just it's really saying. not. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it's really not. It's just, just not that much time in the day. No, but we're, we're getting back on, we're getting back on schedule. We have a system. We're going to do it on this episode. Yeah. But talking about this particular <laughs> episode, episode 63, on this episode, we're continuing our tour through the black Hills of South Dakota. And we are talking Wind Cave National Park. This place is awesome. It's m way more than just a cave. It's really two parks in one. It really is. And I don't know if we liked above ground or below ground better because both are spectacular. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into uh, the area around here, the place we're staying. We actually moved back out of, we talked to you last week, we were in the mountains of the Black Hills up at Custer State Park, and we were fleeing from incoming snowstorm, which I didn't, I don't think ended up being as bad as we thought it was going to be up there. Uh, but we moved south back to the Angostura Recreation Area where we were when we originally explored 
Wind Cave. And this place is really close to Wind Cave and a cool little town called Hot Springs, South Dakota. So we're going to talk about those areas a little bit as well. But yeah, first, everybody got that <laughs> from point A to point B to back to point A. Now we're trying to get to point C. Plus, we got some news. We've got the answer to last week's brain teaser. We got a new one. All that coming up on the show. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. And this year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including Wind Cave National Park and historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lake shores and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. And if you live in hot springs, I think it's amazing that you have essentially Wind Cave National Park in your backyard. I would be there all of the time. Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Yeah. I won't. I need to save all of my praise for it. I realize I'm just totally getting ahead of myself. But L.L. Bean is also so proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. And we are glad that they are a partner as well. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. All right, let's jump right into the news. A lot to get to this week. First, I want to mention, though, we're recording this episode earlier than we normally do. We normally record we release on late on uh, uh, Friday night, Friday into Saturday morning. So it's there in your inboxes on, on Saturday morning. We're recording on Tuesday this week. So there might be some news items that come up that won't be in here. And particularly, uh, there will be some developments from Hurricane Michael. Yes, there which, have been some developments just between yesterday when we were talking yeah. about it and today it's it's grown in size uh yeah. the the category has increased to a three a three um and uh there's it's poised to slam florida's panhandle by wednesday afternoon so uh you know our thoughts are are with obviously anybody that's in the path of that especially those in that are vulnerable in rvs hopefully you're you're getting out of the way and yeah, you're staying hopefully safe. If you are in an RV, you have put those wheels in motion and you're getting out of there because if it continues to increase, and I don't know if it will, I haven't followed it this evening, but even a category three, that's some incredibly strong winds. Well, it, it almost, you know, when you're in something like an RV, the category almost just doesn't matter. Of course, worse is worse, but terrible, terrible things can happen. Uh, in, in lower category hurricanes. And this one is just, it's even though it's a lower category, it is massive in size. It is. And they're talking a lot about there being storm surges in these low-lying areas that are just going to create some major problems. And you just don't want to be anywhere near that. Yeah. So along those lines, on Monday in a town called Junction, Texas, 140 miles west of Austin, small West Texas city, uh, heavy rains literally washed an entire RV park away. How big was this RV park? I don't, I'm, I'm not quite sure. The article I read didn't say much about the size other than uh, about 19 people were rescued, 15 by boat, four by helicopter. All the RVs were, were literally washed away. The um, I don't think it was that big from from the number of people it said they were dealing with here, but uh, 12 inches of rain had fallen 
between Sunday evening and, and Monday evening. 12 inches, a wow. foot of rain had fallen. That's amazing. And uh, and four people were missing, four people they were still looking for. Oh. When this article came out, I don't know if they found them yet or not, and, and that may be something that hopefully develops in the few days between now and when this episode is released. So, uh, man, some scary, some scary weather incidents happening, and uh, we hope everyone is staying safe. Uh, one more news item we wanted to mention. Walmart is recalling some hatchets, some little camp axes. Uh, these are the Ozark Trail brand axes. If you have one of these, take it back because the head can fling off. And <laughs> I, the, I just, I don't mean to laugh as though, you know, this isn't it's it's like funny. If but you're, if it's you're designing like, an axe, that's the one thing right. that... That you need to worry about. That's the one thing. Isn't that the one product testing that you just kind of test over and over and over? Right. I guess in some people's minds, they'll say, well, that's what you get for buying an $8 hatchet. Yeah. So. But still, you don't use it expecting the worst possible scenario to happen. So it's 246,000 Ozark Trail store brand camp axes. Sold exclusively at Walmart locations from January 2017 through July 2018. Uh, the axes are about 14 inches long and weigh about a pound and a quarter. And uh, and they're Ozark Trail. So I have always found this Ozark Trail brand really interesting because you can't find them as a standalone entity, right? No. They're only sold at Walmart, but they don't seem to be a part of the Walmart family. Well, it, it is. It's it's Walmart's generic brand, but just for outdoor gear. And But if you if you look for like I have looked specifically to try and find Ozark Trail contact information, you know, yeah, who no, who you talk to. Because you there there is no they, they there is no one. What they there is no it is not like an arm of Walmart where they get stuff to what it is is Walmart finds products that some, you know, random Chinese and Indian companies make and they say, "Okay, I'm going to stamp Ozark Trail on that and sell it." But why doesn't it say like Walmart's Ozark Trail? I, it's almost like Walmart won't own They don't the want no cuz because own they it. because they <laughs> it's they very interesting. they want it to sound like a more premium brand than Walmart store brand. Uh they don't want it to because you know when you go buy generic food, right? You you know it's the store brand, and you know you're buying it to get something cheap. Hey, look, when I buy Market Pantry from Target, I have standards <laughs> from Market Pantry that I expect, and Target always delivers them for me. I have zero issue across the board buying an off-brand. But, like I have zero yeah, issue with no, it. No, exactly. But when you when it go when it comes to outdoor gear, I think people have more of an issue. I think. People want a little bit more uh, feeling of quality, even though it doesn't actually exist. Okay, fair enough. I guess then in my mind, why are there so many outlet stores for so many name brand quality camping products? Do you know what I mean? Like you can go 
and buy, you can go to the North Face outlet store and you can buy things like crazy discounted cheap at the North Face. But do you feel better that you've bought them because it's a North Face product and you didn't pay full price for it? Or do you know what I mean? I like, think people do. I think that's the whole point. They do. They feel like they got something amazing for cheap, even though most of those stores really just jack up the price on the price tag before they give you the 50% discount or whatever it is. Uh, this is true, too. But, and this is not to knock the North Face because they have some really fantastic products, some of which I thoroughly no, but enjoy. You but a, you go to a North Face store in an outlet mall and you wonder why it's an outlet store. You know, it just seems like a North Face store. I always, well, I always think, what's wrong with these products? I mean, they've got a clearance not... rack in the back. But it's, yes, what's wrong with them? Nothing's wrong with them. But they're also not cheap. No, I, you know, you you don't get the outlet malls used to be a thing where you really used to get some serious deals. Yeah. I don't see that as the outlet mall anymore. anymore. I just see it as a mall. We've been to a few outlet malls and I've been looking for. They're outdoor strip malls now. That's what they are. (laughs) They are. I still love them. I mean, I still like to go and grab a coffee and (laughs) walk the outdoor mall. I love a good mall. They often have larger clearance sections maybe than you might find in in the regular store, but but that's really about it. Yeah, I mean, I was very, this is so off topic. We tend to do this every once in a while. So if you're listening for the first time, just get used to it, get on board. But when we went to that outlet mall in Oklahoma City and we went into that old Navy and I, I remember just looking at you and being like, this is the exact same price. It's an old Navy. An it's old just Navy an old Navy store. It's, there's no difference. It's there's an old no Navy difference. store. All right. Moving on. Let's move on. Let's take a break. (laughs) And when we come back, we are going to dive right into Wind Cave National Park. Be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. One rabbit saw six elephants while going to the river. Every elephant saw two monkeys going to the river. Each monkey was holding one parrot and one banana. How many animals were going towards the river? I have no idea, but I will tell you that one banana was going to the river. I know that for certain. One banana. No, 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 because there were two monkeys. No, every elephant. So there's six elephants. Every elephant saw two monkeys and each monkey had a banana. Right. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I just. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I heard six elephants. Then I came back in and I heard one banana. And I went with that. Wait a minute. No, the six elephants. No, wait. No, no, no. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Okay. There's six elephants. They all saw the same monkeys, right? They all saw the same. They didn't each see two different monkeys. There are six elephants and they all saw. Okay. So here's the answer. (laughs) The answer is five, right? Is it? Is it really five, Jason? Is it really? So this is what we know. The rabbit was going to the river. Of course. There's one rabbit. Okay. He merely saw the elephants. The elephants were not going to the river. They were just, you know, spectators. <laughs> They're just watching all the other animals go to the river. And they saw, those elephants saw two monkeys each, but they all saw the same two monkeys. So now we've got a rabbit and two monkeys that were going towards the river. 
the two monkeys each had a parrot and a banana. So you've got two more animals with the parrots. And of course, the banana is not an animal. So you've got one rabbit, two monkeys, and they're each holding a parrot, two parrots, five animals. Going and to two the bananas. Yes. Two bananas, not one. I know, but I just, yeah. I felt like I could answer you got, something. You got two bananas. I <laughs> want to point out that you have, you're on a roll with some really complicated brain teasers. I feel like that one just needed a few rewinds and and most people weren't just weren't willing to rewind it. <laughs> I wasn't. And, no. and it's my podcast. <laughs> I can't even think of something simple. I'm so tired tonight, but I'm just saying maybe maybe this week's maybe maybe this week's is more of an Abby type. Yeah. Brain sure. Teaser. This, this, we'll see. This week's is a, it's a riddle. It's like, it's a legit riddle. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) All right. Our winner this week is Jose Martinez from Illinois. And I'm sure Jose, like Jason and I, is mourning the fact that the Cubs will not be continuing their season. Unless he's a Sox fan. That's not possible. Uh, I mean, he could be from Southern Illinois too. He could be a, he could be a Cardinals fan. That's really not possible. Yeesh. I can't send, I can't in good faith send him a t-shirt if I find out he's a Cardinals fan. I'm sorry. Jose but I know he's not. A not all who wonder our lost t-shirt and you'll have your chance to win one at the end of the show with our new brain teaser. Let's get into Win Cave National Park. Uh, do not miss National Park. But before we do, this segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers. Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. It sure is. And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners, that's you listening right now, 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription with coupon code RVMILES, all one word. That's 10% off with coupon code RVMILES. You can get more information in our show notes or head over to boondockerswelcome.com and get started today. And I want to just throw this out here because we got a message from someone and I just want to clarify really quick that it's $30 flat fee for the year. You get 10% off. It does not cost you anything to then book the night. It's boondocking. It's completely free. That's what's so cool about this program is that you pay to be a part of this community. And then from then on out, you can book as many nights as you would like with people who have space to spare for free. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they might, they might offer to let you plug into their electricity or something. In those cases, maybe, you know, you throw them a little bit of money. Absolutely. uh, Or maybe they'll even ask for a little bit of money. I don't know. I don't even know if that's allowed through them, but, um, but boondockers welcome. They, on their site, they have really laid all that out and they send out a great, weekly newsletter that addresses a lot of these questions as well. So when it comes to those kinds of situations, do I, don't I, 
Boondockers Welcome has got you covered. They'll be able to answer that question for you on the website. But it's super simple. I mean, you pull oh, into somebody's so driveway or land or whatever it is. And, you know, you usually say hello to each other. Sometimes they're not even home. You know, they're gone. Uh, RVing out on their own. Sometimes it's you're parking in their RV spot where they keep their RV stored and they're out, you know, exploring and letting you park there. Yeah. You know what? It beats a night of wall docking yeah. or boon barreling. <laughs> oh my God. Stop it. No, I will not stop. I will not stop because I see it. I see it every once in a while out on social media. Other people understand. Wall docking, boon barrel, those are great terms. Let's just keep it going, people. Oh, I can get I can maybe get behind wall docking. Boon, boon barrel. barrel <laughs> which I love. She's boon referring barrel. to so, boondocking at cracker barrels. Yeah. Boondocking, Cracker Barrel, Boon Barrel. Okay. Just like we're Upper Boo. Anyway, no, we're not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, moving on, Wind Cave. All right. So Wind Cave is uh, is a place in the southern Black Hills where the prairie sort of meets the Black Hills. And the Black Hills are, are essentially a forest, right? So the Black Hills are hills. Yeah, let's establish, land. too, that the Black Hills are really big. Yeah. 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 It's not just one massive place. It's not just one little area. It's not just Mount Rushmore. Like you don't just come to visit Mount Rushmore and that's it. There's And then you're like, oh, I saw the Black Hills. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't work like that. The Black Hills, I mean, they could easily be a national park on their own. That's a really good point. They could. Yeah. There's so much inside of them that they easily could be their own national park. But they're so named for their very, very dark green ponderosa pine trees that look sort of like black hills from the distance rising out of nowhere and wind cave is is on the southern end where these areas sort of meet so at wind cave you get lots of prairie land and you get some forests and you get uh, a giant cave underground that is formed partially because of this uprising uh, of the black hills in this area and you also get one of the best places that we have found to experience wildlife. The wildlife in Wind Cave is incredible. And not because it's, you know, hanging out on the side of the road and it's just there for you to look at, but it is so diverse. And through hiking and other interactions with the park that take you off the road, you get the opportunity to safely interact and observe the wildlife in the park, and we're talking bison, elk, prairie dogs, mule deer. Birds of prey. Birds of prey. They are, they're all there. I don't know if perhaps it's this particular time of year, and this is just a really active time of year for all of these animals, but I, I just had never imagined that I would go into a park and feel like I was so much a part of the actual park and the wildlife that lives in it in such a short visit. We only were able to go there for two days. And what we saw was just, oh, it was spectacular. And the the greatest thing about Wind Cave is a lot of people, I think, just see the name Wind Cave National Park and say, I'm not really interested in going down into a cave. So I'm going to skip that one. So it's not a busy park by any means, even though it is, you know, a, a lot of people just go to a few different national parks. They really go to them to see bison 
And this is one of the best places to do it without the big traffic jams of Yellowstone with, uh, without sort of, you know, forcing your way through a crowd without people going up and trying to take selfies with them or taunting them, <laughs> or taunting them. You, I mean, you really get to see a lot of bison one, you know, you, you, we did not miss bison one time driving the main park. Road. No, I had bison fever by yeah. the time we left wind cave. I had probably taken more pictures of bison than I had taken of my children all month long. Like I just kept taking <laughs> pictures of bison and while I said that, you know, you can get off the road and really be able to interact with Wind Cave and with the wildlife that's there safely, you can also, if that's not possible for you, they also have zero problem with being right up along the side yeah. of the road. You are you are in their home. Your road is in their home. And there are plenty of like overlooks off of the main park road that you can you can view them from there and and there's no fee to get into the park by the way no the fee's going to come if you decide to take a tour it is going to cost to take one of the cave tours but it costs you nothing to enter the park itself yeah it's actually a, a highway us 385 which we talked about last week goes all the way down to big bend national park goes right through the middle of it so you will see every now and then like a semi truck coming through, but it's not busy. Yeah, we by saw any a FedEx means. truck <laughs> yeah. coming through, clearly with some Amazon packages <laughs> into hot springs. But it you know, there there so there's the main park road and then the National Park Service has some uh, uh dirt roads that you can take as well. We didn't take these, but we heard these are really we heard these are really great places to go to see elk. We did see elk. We got lucky and saw elk at the very last minute. On the very last day. On our drive. We were actually driving the bus. We When we left uh, Angostura Recreation Area, where, where we're back at now, and headed up to Custer State Park, we drove through Wind Cave in the bus to get up there, because that's kind of the way you get there. And we saw elk in, in, in sort of like the foggy morning light and oh, it was amazing uh, oh man, it was it was cool the prancing with their giant oh, antlers actually stopped and pulled off to and had lunch in the bus there inside the national park and i i think that's just another reason why wind cave is so special is that there's so many different ways you can interact with this park and what i loved too if we can just go ahead and jump like if we can just go ahead and talk above ground before we talk below ground mm-hmm. is I love how the trails, they're not, I don't want to say well-kept because they're clearly, they're well-marked and you can tell that you're they're on a trail. They're not well-trodden. Well it's They're not well-trodden and they're not very wide. They tend to be just a one person, at least the one that we did mm-hmm. was a one person trail. And I don't know why I really loved that. And I don't know why I love when a trail just becomes like one person and we all have to kind of single file. But that particular trail we took, which please remind me of the name because I can't ever remember it's it. It's the Cold Brook Canyon Trail. Okay. I just keep wanting to call it like either Cold Mountain or Cold Canyon. <laughs> Neither one of those are and we're correct. Gonna, we, I'm going to try. I'm going to try since we're recording this early. I'm going to try. So you'll you'll see if I, I made it or not. I'm going to try to get our video out of our experience uh, at I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do a Coldbrook Canyon Trail video or I'm going to do a whole, whole Wind Cave part. video, whatever it's going to be. I'm try, going to try to get that out. But that that trail is a big part of what our experience was there. And when you walk this trail, first of all, the coolest thing about it, you know, you can go. We, we saw prairie dogs 
towns at Badlands. Uh, we've seen Prairie Dog towns uh, at Wind in, Cave. in Custer and on the from the main park road in Wind Cave. So you see them all from the edge of the road. And prairie dogs are so cute and and cool. And when they say town, they mean they mean city. They mean massive. It's like a, it's but, yeah, it's a metropolitan. <laughs> They've got their own little coffee shops, their own little retail stores. Like this thing is legit. But the thing about this trail is it goes through the middle of a prairie dog town. It did. And, that and was... you get real up close with them. Oh, it was They're great. looking at you. They're yelping at you. Uh, and you just be quiet and you walk through them and they just they stare back at you and continue eating and whatever. I want to walk the kids through a prairie dog town all the time because they were so quiet. <laughs> they were. They I'm were. like, I whispered it because I'm not sure if Jack is still awake in his bunk or not. But they were all so quiet. And I thought, oh, well, we should just everywhere we go now needs to have a prairie town. The kids are so quiet and focused. We had some of the most gorgeous views with these gorgeous South Dakota skies through this trail. You feel like you're off exploring. It's that typical national park trail experience where you feel often alone. We didn't see a single person on our entire way out on this trail. I'm amazed we didn't see a single bison because they had certainly <laughs> left their yeah. mark so the, all over the, bison the trail. Definitely use this trail. They definitely like they, use the trail. They use it because they yes they <laughs> it's left their own personal restroom <laughs> and they also like to leave their prints. But yes, big big prints and and bigger other things. Uh, but also along the trail are these sort of ruts where the bison of of like mud and dirt where the bison lay down and roll in them and That's scratch so their backs cool. and cover themselves in dirt. But we didn't see any uh, on our journey out there. And um, I was a little nervous about that. Yeah. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When we, so the trail is 1.4 miles to the boundary of Wind Cave that backs up against the National Forest. And it literally ends at a fence. It does. It It's just the fence. <laughs> and then you touch the fence, fence and you turn around and, and you walk around. the other 1.4. So I was a little, first off, I was a little concerned because it was 2.8 miles round trip with the kids and that can get questionable. And the trail had said that it was going to be moderate. To clarify, I think what they meant by moderate is that the first section of the trail, the first maybe quarter mile or so. Yeah. It's a hill. Is a hill. So you're going to, and it's kind of steep. So you're going to go down that. So then you're going to have to walk back up that when you return. So that is the only time I felt that the trail was remotely but it, moderate. But it, I think, it, yeah, it's not moderate in the way that we've dealt with moderate trails in the past when it's been like climbing rocks and things right. like that. When they say moderate, I'm looking at you, Devil's Hall in Guadalupe. Yeah. That was moderate. But here you're going to have to scale the side of this cliff in order to continue this trail. Here at Wind Cave, they're like, walk down the hill. And we're going to go ahead and call this moderate. Yeah. So it's a very, I think that word is very subjective inside so the do, National you, Park Service. So you walk down this hill into this canyon area and it's a dry canyon. It's not a, a, there's no stream or anything running through it. And it's open prairie that you're walking through, through much of it. And then the prairie dog towns. And then you get to sort of some cliff sides that you're walking along. And on the cliff sides, we could see nests from very large birds of prey. We didn't get to see any birds of prey. We saw some birds. Yeah, but um, we didn't see anything that belonged to that nest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, but just, I, I hope, you know, I hope you'll check out the video. I hope I'll get it out in time. Even if I don't, you can check it out later. But we got, it's just some 
amazing views. So that was sort of our above ground experience. There are several more trails you can do there. This one was a good one for our family. We thought um, we spent a little bit of time. Uh, we didn't do the whole thing, but there's just a, a little mile loop trail from the visitor center that sort of goes around a, a, a big hill. And we saw a heck of a lot of mule deer. We did. Out there. And mule deer are all over this area like crazy. They're like, I said today when we, <laughs> we were driving on a hot springs today, they're like squirrels. They're everywhere. Yeah, we were just going down a side road today in hot springs on our way to a library. And we had it's a, a neighborhood. They're just, just neighborhood. hanging out, walking through a neighborhood. I'll tell you what, though, we almost had a close encounter of the mule deer kind because they yeah. just came. We were only going about 25 miles an hour, but that's enough. And this male just came out of nowhere and he wasn't stopping for us. And he was heading right for the front of the car and it was intense. Yeah. And this was just in a neighborhood. Yeah, you got to you definitely got to be really careful yeah. around here. They do not have any issue just bolting right out. So that was, as Jason said, that was kind of our above ground experience. Our below ground experience was just as phenomenal. So the the cave is right in the middle of the park and that's where the visitor center is. So you drive sort of halfway into the park and go into the visitor center and the visitor center is right on top of the cave. And the cave is only, it occupies a one square mile area, but it's like a ridiculous number of miles I think of it's passages. 94 uh, square miles be, that have been charted so yeah. far inside this one square mile. Yeah, it's crazy. There's multiple levels. It keeps going. You see a map of it. And the, just the tiny little bits they have tours in is just nothing well, of think, the size of the cave. And they think it could be really massive because they only map, you know, a good few hundred feet of it every year. Yeah. And I think I remember someone saying that it was close. They think they've only really found about. 10% yeah, and they, of it. They know that they measure that from, from the air pressure. So it's called wind cave. And if you, you listen to our episode of the national parks podcast last week, you know, this it's called wind cave because there, the natural entrance is only about the size of a beach ball and air blows out of it or sucks into it, depending on atmospheric pressure and the pressure difference between above ground and below ground uh, affects whatever, way that air is flowing so they know from the amount of airflow they've been able to sort of guesstimate how big the cave must be uh, and there must be a huge mass of air in order to make this wind i guess well and i heard the ranger talking to another individual that and i think that this was really fascinating is that they do have some evidence to suggest that at one time prior to the emergence of the Black Hills, that Wind Cave and Jewel Cave were connected. Oh, wow. But once the Black Hills pushed up, Jewel Cave is actually higher up now than Wind Cave is. And so they have some evidence that suggests that perhaps the two were connected. They have evidence to suggest that they weren't. But I was listening to him talk, and I thought that that was so fascinating because they really are only about, I think, less than 100 miles Apart yeah, so, from one so another. Jewel Cave, Jewel Cave National Monument is about an hour drive from Wind Cave. Yeah. And so we didn't make it. Both and we haven't. We yeah. Didn't make it. But. but I just thought that that was really fascinating to think that these two cave systems at one time were a connected yeah. cave system. Wow. And then as the Black Hills pushed up and changed the landscape, 
Jewel Cave rose and Wind Cave or Wind Cave fell and Jewel Cave stayed yeah. where it was. However, that happened. I just think that that idea is incredibly cool. And I would love to see someday that they have found more evidence to, to suggest that those two caves yeah. were once one. Yeah. So anyway, you go into the visitor center and it's kind of an older visitor center. Uh, there's not a ton of the cool displays that there, there are at a lot of the more modern National Park Service visitor centers, but there's a lot of good information there. I um, don't mind it. I actually yeah. like when a National Park visitor center doesn't feel like it's trying to show off yeah. a little bit. I like when it's just, you know what, this is what we are. This is how we became and here's some information yeah. about us. I appreciate that. It feels very understated. Yeah. So you can, you go here and you can learn a lot of information about where you might see animals, what sort of trails you should take, what sort of drives you can take, and then you can book your cave tours. You can't book cave tours in advance. You have to book them day of. And, and they they do fill up because they change the number of tours offered based on the amount of people that might be there at what point in the season. Yeah. So and, if you and go by day, like it, it changes drastically by day. So if you go during the summer, you're probably going to have more options. We went in the fall and they were offering two tours and one was their natural entrance and the other was the garden of Eden. The first day we went, we went on a Saturday and it was a relatively nice day. Sun was shining. It was a nice fall warm day and they had tour spots galore and we they were doing 10 natural entrance tours on that saturday and three garden of eden tours right and we thought oh, okay great that's a great amount of tour options it's a beautiful day however we're going to go and experience wind cave above ground because we knew that the following day was going to be rainy and the temps were really going to drop so we thought that's a perfect cave day we returned the next day on a Sunday and got there just shortly after lunch to discover that every tour was sold out except for one last section for the Garden of Eden. The final tour of the day. The final yeah. tour of the day. And there were only maybe eight or nine tickets left and we're a party of five. And there were only maybe five tours total offered the entire day. Yeah, so I don't understand the difference between Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> Especially because they kept saying that, oh, a lot of people are here today because it's cold and rainy. I'm yeah. like, yeah, so. <laughs> Why wouldn't you have more tours? Yeah. So it was actually warmer in the cave than it was outside that day. And a lot of people were taking advantage of the fact that it was bad weather. And thankfully, we were able to get on a tour. It wasn't the one we wanted. We really did want to do the natural entrance tour. But I will say that the Garden of Eden and the ranger who led it was still an absolutely wonderful yeah, tour. Ranger Maggie. She was so nice. She was new to Wind Cave. She'd only been there for a few months. She was so personable and answered our kids' questions with enthusiasm and patience every time Jack loves caves. And he always has so many questions. And she was great with him. I was so appreciative. So the thing uh, that you'll experience at Wind Cave that you re won't really find at other caves 
not a ton of stalagmites and stalagmites and all that. No, stuff. in fact, there were none on this tour uh, no, that we because did. There's, because there's no water coming into the cave very, yeah. at, at, at this area. And But what you will see is what's called boxwork. And it's a really rare formation that uh, it almost looks like a square honeycomb of sorts. I mean, it looks like a box has been opened. It's it's a bunch of little boxes have yeah. been opened, almost like uh like mail slots or yeah, you know, like like uh, like you might see in an old fashioned hotel the mail slots behind the desk. Oh yeah, that's, that's a really good way. Like, yeah, right. But the, all the little fins are very very brittle, and uh, and we got to see a decent amount of that on this tour. You the uh, you go in via elevator, and uh, you you come back out via elevator. So there isn't a ton of like strenuous stairs and, and that sort of stuff, but there are stairs. There are long ramps. There are tour. There's about 30 people on a tour. There were some some older people with eyesight issues that, that did fine, uh, that had really no issues managing it. Think really anybody could do this tour? Yeah, there no was a great age range between very young kids on the tour and those who were not so very young kids on the tour, and everyone seemed to come out of it just as happy as when they started. So I think that's always a nice indication of a tour. I think, if I remember correctly, please don't quote me though. I think it's 150 stairs total yeah, on this tour. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not our experience in this cave was not. It's a it's a very nice cave. It's really interesting. It's it was nothing mind blowing like Carlsbad Caverns, right? No, but I actually really liked that though. If I can say one thing about this tour, I know that we go to Mammoth and we go to Carlsbad and we're just overwhelmed. You are when you go into the big room at Carlsbad, you are overwhelmed. You can't look fast enough at everything. What I loved about this tour and I think what I like about Wind Cave is that it's so pared down that you actually have the opportunity to see the cave. You can really look at it. Yeah, and you're really close to it. Sometimes a great big room is awesome, but sometimes a small room and going through smaller passageways is just as awesome. Yeah, I just, I felt like it was a little bit more intimate. Like I, I felt a little bit more connected with the space. And this particular tour, I, I'll tell you what, because we've been on a few <laughs> tours and they always like to do this where like they turn off the lights, right? To give you an idea of what it was like for early cave explorers. It's really something if you've never experienced it before, it's 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 really something. That's all I can say. So they did this. Ranger Maggie did this. Uh, she left the lights off for a really long time. <laughs> she did. I mean, a good couple of minutes. And I started getting to the point where... um. I needed the lights to come back. Oh, on. really? <laughs> I, I did. I did. I, I was telling myself to, uh, cause I was holding on to Henry's hand and he was starting to squirm and I'm trying to quietly encourage him to stay still because you can't see anything. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Your eyes will trick you and make you think that you can, but you can't. The blackness is so complete. I, I was very happy when she turned the lights back on it. I'd, I'd had enough. I'd had enough. So if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, I don't know if everyone does it, but Ranger Maggie really did give us the full experience for a good couple of minutes. So it was a great tour. Uh, 
we we really uh we really enjoyed it and we wished we had the time to do another tour but we just didn't and uh and and hopefully we'll get to head back again yeah because we didn't even get to see the natural entrance you can even if you don't take the natural entrance tour you can actually go around uh to one side of the visitor center and be able to see it and we didn't have an opportunity to see that because the tour by the time our tour ended, the visitor center was getting close to closing. We we needed to finish and our junior ranger. We needed program. to finish that our junior it. ranger. Yeah. And this was another one that I really enjoyed doing with the kids. We actually picked it up on Saturday. We brought it back to Bussy. The kids worked on it Saturday night. And it's just one of those things where there was a little bit of something for each one of our kids. And again, we have an 11, an 8, and a 5-year-old. And each one of them was completely engaged and enjoyed this. Then we got to come back to the visitor center on Sunday and they had a few things that you could do in the visitor center to finish up your junior ranger. So another fantastic interaction with the park ranger when the kids went to turn it in. I say this every single time, but it's the truth. When those park rangers are excited for the boys, when they engage with them on the booklet, when they show enthusiasm and they're proud of the kids the kids just feel the accomplishment so much more yeah. the kids are proud themselves and you know. i feel the accomplishment for them so much more because they're being recognized by someone who is essentially doing the job that they just did in their own educational way and look some of these junior ranger programs are super easy some of them are challenging yeah looking at you Uh, mount rushmore they're they're all over the place but it's not about completing a workbook no that's just part of it it's it's about their experience with the park in general and and their ability to uh take ownership of of protecting the park that's such a good point the junior ranger even if you do it as an adult and there are plenty of adults that do them and i think that is Absolutely fine and absolutely great. In fact, there was a woman that was sworn in as yeah, a junior the, ranger. The while rangers we were there. gave her the they same the experience thing. as the kids. Absolutely. It only enhances our feelings of ownership to that space and it only enhances our desire to protect that space and then carry those feelings into the next public land that we visit or even to our own home and how we care for and interact with our own spaces. I think that these booklets are great. And like Jason said, some you kind of fly through. I was not super impressed with Mount Rushmore's. We'll talk more about that next week, but I will say that so far Badlands and Wind Cave have really provided some excellent junior ranger programs that got our kids talking and excited for those spaces. Okay, that seems like a great spot to take a break. Doesn't it? And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the surrounding area here, Hot Springs. Hot Springs, South Dakota. I almost said Hot Springs, Arkansas. I know. Hot Springs, South Dakota. Not the same temperature. Totally nope. different thing. Totally, totally different, different temperature place. of those. <laughs> it's and, much warmer. And Hot Springs, and- Arkansas. They have to actually add cold water to the hot water before you bathe in it. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly the same here, uh, but you can bathe in it at one spot. And we'll here. talk about how we did that. And we will. And uh, and we'll also talk about Angostura Recreation Area, where we're camping uh, right now and where we camped when we visited. 
So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're going to talk now a little bit about Hot Springs, South Dakota and and the Angostura Recreation Area where we are camping. Hot Springs, it's an interesting little historic town. It seems like it's seen a few better days. It seems like it's got a ton of potential. Yeah, I- I think the best way to describe it is that it can't decide what it wants to be. But there's not a lot of people. And we are in the off season a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Quite a bit. We're in the off season. Um, but <laughs> it's like 30 degrees outside. <laughs> but you don't have the same issues that you have visiting up in Custer State Park or up in Rapid City and all the campgrounds around there and all the towns around there like Hill City and 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 uh, uh, Keystone you don't have the same touristy experience here. Here you get quaint little coffee shops, little restaurants that close at 8.30 or earlier. Uh, just a little hometown feel, including the best library we've ever been to. One of the coolest libraries. And we just found it today, which was kind of a disappointment because this is our second trip. But again, lesson learned, get to the library sooner. Libraries are an excellent way for anybody who travels, not just people who travel full time like us, but for anybody who travels to stop, get some Wi-Fi, uh, you know, just sit and do some work in their computer lab. Or just or, talk to people who live yes. in the area. It's a mm-hmm. great way if you can find a few minutes to talk, chat with a librarian you're going to learn a lot about the community because part of their job is to enhance and interact with the community that they're serving. So you get this opportunity to kind of get a little insider information. We, this library, first off, is beautiful. It looks like a giant log. It is cabin. a giant log cabin. It's a legitimate log building. It, like, okay, it's yeah, I guess. Really, it, yeah, yeah I mean, right. it's it really lo- solid chinked log building yes and you walk in and the first thing you're greeted with is this beautiful sitting area that has a roaring fireplace and these massively tall ceilings and chairs and tables it's so warm and welcoming and they've got a bookshelf full of games and really up-to-date modern games and i even learned that they allow people to check those games out for a certain amount of time which i think is awesome. You don't just have to stay there to play. You can take it home with you. You can play it with your family and return it to the library. Then they have, you know, kind of banks off to the right or the left, but they've got such a really great kids area as well. And that's kind of where we spent most of our time today. But we've been to enough libraries at this point to say that we can probably give the Hot Springs Library the number one spot. And I would put the library that we, when we were in Vegas, 
Yeah, I would put nice that. I would well. put that in yeah. number two because they were just so nice. The These community. little small town community libraries are so great. And one of the best things about libraries, and we'll get off libraries here. Uh, <laughs> I, could t- I could talk libraries but all day long. One of the best things too, I think, for a traveler is they all have you know a community bulletin board that tells you all the events that are going on, yep. what's coming up, you know, business cards with discounts for things and all kinds of stuff. So definitely, if you're in this area. You should check out this library. You should. So that's one little part of Hot Springs. They have like this. The town seems to be divided up, I feel like, sometimes into two sections. The quaint little downtown strip that seems to be very touristy. And near that is uh, a couple of museums, including this mammoth site. And then there's sort of like where everybody lives, you know, and the local hub seems to be the Dairy Queen you know, there's there's not a lot of um, food options in regards to if you, you know, if you're someone that like really needs to have like a chain restaurant or something, you're not going to find that here. No. And you're not going to find that within an hour and a half. No, like, you you're gotta not. Go you're going to go to Rapid, Rapid City. City. You're not going to find any sort of uh, retail store in the sense of like a Walmart or a Target. I mean, or the nearest like McDonald's here. is in Rapid City. Like literally you're an hour and a half away from just a McDonald's. Yeah. It's very refreshing in the sense because it is solely community based organizations for the most part. I spent some time the first time we were here. And then we spent some time today as a family at a really wonderful coffee shop called morning sunshine. I've been there about three times since we have been in this area. It is it reminds me of like the cheers of coffee shops because you walk in and by the second time I was there, they knew my name. They greeted me when I walked in. They wanted to know more about me. They talked to me. The locals came in and I showed up when they opened at like 7 a.m. And when I was there at 7 a.m., that place was hopping. It was busy. Everyone was coming in before work, sitting there chatting. I really enjoyed the people watching aspect of this coffee shop because I felt like I was really getting sort of a view of the locals. Yeah. But I also really appreciated how they were like, oh yeah, you need to work. That's what we're here for. That's what coffee shops are made for. You know, grab a cup. Can we warm it up for you? You know, what do you do for a living? And just really nice, great people. Please, if you come through this area, pop in there and get a cup of coffee. You will be so very glad that you did. So the the downtown area, it, all the buildings are on one side of the, sort of the main road. And on the other side of the main road is a creek. And there's a big cliff and there's a waterfall coming down the side of it. It's it's very neat and it would be very nice to walk in, in some warmer days. We've been here in some rainy, cool days. And a lot of the little shops, like we said, they're tour, it's touristy, but it's not touristy in the way that it's like, uh, they're, they're sort of catering to tourists, but it's not full of tourists. And some of these shops are just, they're antiques and uh, candies and uh, knickknacks and stuff. Some of them, all of those things at once. Yeah, it's (laughs) a really healthy mix of local and tourist businesses in this little downtown strip area. And like Abby said, they do have, and we didn't get to experience this, but we've been told by many people that you really should check it out. They have something here called the Mammoth Site. And it is a museum that is sort of an archaeological dig where you can walk through and see, you know, giant mammoth fossils. And I would really love to try that next time, but we didn't get to it at this time. What we did do instead, 
uh, was we visited what is called Evans Plunge, which is uh, uh, a historic place that doesn't look very historic anymore. How do we we'll, describe we'll Evans that. Plunge, Jason? Well, it's like a pool. I mean, <laughs> like, essentially, I it's like going to a community pool, right? But the water is hot spring water. I should just say spring water. Like it's, it's not hot. It's warm it's spring lukewarm water. Yeah. Spring water. It's it's slightly warmer than it's slightly warmer than a, a regular pool. It's eighty seven degrees. Yeah, and um, I mean to the point where it's a little chilly getting in on a chilly day. But it is it is indoors. They have an outdoor area too, but it's mostly indoors, and they have a couple water slides, and uh, and it's all the spring water. I mean, the yeah. entire facility is the spring water and it's been around since 1890 it's when it first yeah. opened but clearly they, this area though the spring water area was being used long before that by the lakota people but the enclosing and the commercialism of this became something in 1890 the building itself looks like it hasn't been given any sort of update since about 1960 yeah it it well the original structure is gone yeah, like there's a, a new, new structure. This is a concrete structure. And what it is is a giant concrete pool with river rock at the bottom. And the spring water comes up through that river rock at the bottom. It's just kind of cool. But the place needs, you know, it needs a good paint job. It needs, it's, it, it, it's not in the greatest shape. And I, I think the city has taken it over from the previous management and they're sort of working on it a, a bit. Yeah, um, I think that. It is it's trapped inside of itself a little bit and it has the potential to be really amazing. And some of the photos from the earlier days from the late 19th century show just this massively beautiful room that this once was in. And I would love to see it sort of restored to that kind of glory. What's interesting about it, too, is that so you have this pool area with you know, you can swim and there's a couple slides and they've got a, you know, a smaller section for the kids and then even like a baby section. But then sort of off of this area is this other more compact room where you've got hot tubs, a sauna, steam room. Upstairs, there's a gym. They have, you know, concessions yeah. and locker rooms. And even the locker rooms are still, everything is is trapped inside of a a time vortex that it, really is not feels, working for this it. This is what it is. It feels like going to an eighties Y. Oh yeah. Like it's, That's, it is like yeah. going to an eighties YMCA. It is. And it's definitely used by the community because while we were there, there was an, an exercise class going on. There were swim lessons. And so the community is definitely very much a part of this space. And we ended up spending I think like five, maybe six hours yeah. here. And we happened to be going on a day where it was 50 person off admission, which is really why we went because it ended up being $30 for our family as opposed to $60 yeah. for our family. And if I'm honest, I would not have paid $60 for that. And if we had, we would have been, we would have been pretty disappointed. Yes. Um, but I think the $30 was a fair price. Yes. And it was cool to be able to say, you know, we were swimming around in this spring water and that this is, you know, sort of has this historical context and how much the spring is tied into the city. So and plus, you know what? It was snowing and raining and like 32 degrees outside. And it we had been in the bus for two days, just kind of like hunkering down. Yeah, it was just really being nice. able to get in a hot tub uh, was so 
All five of us. <laughs> that was, that's really the only place we wanted to be. And I had to keep being like, okay, well, we need to get out now because it's been like 10 minutes and, you know, we can't be in here that long. You guys are too little. And they'd be like, no, we want to stay in the hot tub. And I was like, no, you really don't. You want to get out, go play for a while. We'll come back. But I think it's because we'd just been so chilled that it just was so nice to yeah. be warm. I couldn't even get, to be honest, I couldn't even get into the spring water. I didn't swim around it. You, you guys did. You, well, you did at first. And then once you got into the hot tub, you yeah. weren't getting back in. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I got, and even the lifeguard was like, it's really not that cold. And I said, no, it really is. I just, I, I'm chilled. And I left Jason and the kids to swim around in the spring water. And I, I went over to the hot tub. I went in the sauna. All right, so let's talk about the campground here um, and sort of finish up this episode. Angostura Recreation Area. This is a South Dakota state park. It is on a dam. There's So there's a big lake here. And it's a beautiful lake. It's, it's a massive lake. And there's a marina with a sea store. And yeah, I bet this place is hopping in the summer. Yeah. It is a, this is a small campground. I think there's another campground here as well. There is another campground here as well. Uh, we're at the Cheyenne campground yes. and there's maybe oh, 15, 20 sites here. Very simple, uh, very nice bathhouse. The bathhouse is closed right now, but it wasn't closed a week ago when we were here before. When it, it was open, it was very nice and clean. It wasn't very warm. No, it's um, not a heated bathroom, which is sort of why I can understand why yeah. it's closed now, because even when we were here a week ago, boy, it. That was a cold shower. Campsites are all electric, no water, except for there are like five host sites, which I don't think you can book. Although we did see people that had booked them somehow. I don't know, but they do. Those have water and sewer. I don't think they're sewer. host sites. I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. I think those sites have sewer. Yeah, but I, I didn't. And they cost more. But but look, we're, there's nobody here, right? Right now, right. we're the only people here and we're the only people that have been here all week except for the camp hosts. Right. And those sites were not available to book. No, I, I don't think they're available to book now because in theory they want the water shut oh, off. And so the be. sewer cannot work. Yeah. But those people that were here when we were here last, those were not camp hosts. Yeah. No, I mean, they, no, they definitely weren't. So, But those particular sites are the only sites, they're premium sites. Yeah. So you have to pay, I think you instead of 25. Extra. It's like 27 or something. But I think after you pay the fees and stuff, it ends up being yeah. more like $30 a night. But they are full hookups. I mean, yeah. So there's like five full hookup sites. The rest of the sites are just electric, uh, but there is a dump station here with access to the water. And uh, it's a really nice place. We've seen mule deer run through here. There's uh, nice areas to walk, a really nice little playground that the kids have had a lot of fun at. And it's only about 10 minutes outside of Hot Springs. Yeah. And we, so it has kind of like an upper level and a lower level for the way the campground is laid out. And we're on kind of the upper level now across from the playground. Prior to that, we were down sort of in the lower level. And I actually really liked it a little bit more down there. It was wooded, yeah, secluded. Yeah. The benefit of of this site is we're across from the playground and the kids Absolutely. can run over there. It's too cold for them to run over there right now anyway. It's so too cold. It's it. too wet. We're just, yeah. we're just living for we're California down at inside, Getting ready to head out of here. But we are, we're going to, we're yeah. going to enjoy Salt Lake City first. No, we are going to enjoy Salt Lake City. The reason why we're recording this on Tuesday is because we have an engagement that has us landing in Salt Lake City on Thursday and we actually won't be in the bus the whole time there. We are there. We'll be in a hotel. 
which is another thing I'm really looking forward to for a little bit. And so we just knew like we need to record this because the last thing I want to do is record this podcast in a hotel with three kids. So, but let's just to, to sort of wrap up, I just want to say like this whole Southern black Hills area, wind cave and even parts of Custer and this recreation area and hot springs, this whole area doesn't get a whole lot of love. You don't hear a lot about it. And it should. And it should. I mean, it's absolutely a great way to experience the Black Hills without the mad rush of people. And uh, I think it feels more natural. Yeah. I mean, I think you feel more a part of the community and a part of the Black Hills in this particular area. Having been up around Custer and then up into Mount Rushmore and Rapid City, I think that's all fine and lovely as well. But there is something about being down here that feels just a little bit more natural and organic, if I can, if that makes sense. You are absolutely right that this area doesn't get as much love as some of the other parts of the Black Hills. And the community here feels that. And that was actually expressed to me several times when I was at that coffee shop, especially after they found out that we travel full time and that we have this podcast and they had asked if, you know, have you interacted with any of the visitors bureaus for this area? And I said, no, not really. They weren't, you know, I'll be completely honest. They were not interested. And they said, yeah, that doesn't surprise us. They really don't know that the Southern part of this area even exists. And I felt kind of bad because this is a really great area. Because yeah, what we do, we, we sort of contact visitors bureaus when we're about to head to an area. And mainly we're looking for like advice for, for point me where to go. Point, like what to go. would you suggest I go and do? We want to work with them. We want to highlight things that they want to highlight. And sometimes they set us up with, you know, free tickets to things that they want. They want to send us to. And sometimes they're great things. And sometimes they're, they're things we just don't have the time for. Or aren't really going to be right for our family or our listeners. But really, we just want we just want to talk to them and we want advice. And and they're just like, you know, the, this area was sort of just like, well, there's, you know, there's Mount Rushmore. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was a know. bummer. It was a bummer because they really undersold their area. And, you know, I would say that that is not at all the case. And in fact, you know, the southern part of the Black Hills is really rich and Absolutely. Just as much worth your time as maybe some of the more popular areas. If if I had to, if I was coming through this area and there was only one thing I was going to do after everything we've experienced in the Black Hills, and we've got a little bit more to talk about next week, it it would be Wind Cave. Oh Uh, yeah, for sure. I'd pick Wind Cave over Mount Rushmore. I'd pick Hot Springs over Rapid City. I, I really felt strongly for the community that was in that coffee shop. And there were several people that started talking to me about this and how they just felt left out of the conversation when they felt that they had so much to offer. And uh, I could, I can understand that frustration. So when you drive, when you're coming from the East, heading to the West, you're on your way to your big Yellowstone vacation or whatever it is, the Black Hills, I mean, the Black Hills is its own vacation. Like you don't, it's not just a Mount Rushmore stopover. It's so much more than that. And in fact, Mount Rushmore is one of the smallest pieces of it. And we think you can really have an excellent time making this a serious destination. You really should consider that. On that note, do you have a brain teaser I for do. us? I do. I do. 
So it goes like this. If you have three, you have three. If you have two, you have two. But if you have one, you have none. What is it? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it is 1130 at night and my brain is done, especially because my brain knows. You're not it. even going to think about it. I'm not even going to think about it. What I'm thinking about right now is that I have to be up in six hours <laughs> to get this family moving towards a 400 mile travel day tomorrow. So if you know the answer, please email us at editor at rvmiles.com or you can message us on any of our social media and please go, you know, follow us on all those places as well. Yes, please do. And if you are enjoying this podcast and we certainly hope that you are, thank you for being a part of it every week. We enjoy sharing the wonderful adventures that are out there with you, like our push for you to come to the southern half of the Black Hills. We would love it if you would leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you are listening to this podcast today, or if you would just share us around your social media. It really does help, and it really does mean the world. And don't forget to check out our RV Miles Facebook group, where we have great conversations sort of our after the show, you know. If you want to follow up and chat with us about where we've been and what we're doing or just chat with the other people in the group, uh, please do so. And don't forget to find us at RV chat, hashtag RV chat oh, yeah. on Twitter every Sunday at 8 p.m. I can't tell you what the topic is this week because, like I said, we're recording early and I haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. Jason but. usually figures it out at about like. <laughs> Uh, 6.45 on Sunday. Oh, no. Okay, 6.45 on Saturday. That's when I write the <laughs> <laughs> So Sunday, 8 p.m. Central on Twitter if you're there. Hashtag RV chat. All right, you guys. We will see you next week. And I think next week we will actually be joined by two little Eppersons. They're very excited that they will get to talk to all of you. But until then, we wish you the very best of weeks. And we hope that you keep logging those RV miles. Bye. <laughs>